I'm chatting with Meryl Pick, uh, head of equities research, old mutual investment group. Meryl, appreciate the time today. It's been a busy week. Budget speech this last past Wednesday. Uh, we have an election date, 29 May. What key pronouncements perhaps caught your attention on the budget speech in relation to impact on equity markets? Yes, good day, Simon. Um, quite a few things. I think the the headline, you know, as is being discussed in the media now, is that it's it was quite a market-friendly mm. budget. That is the consensus. And, um, you know, it, that in itself is quite comforting in an election year. There were a few standouts, probably five or six things caught my attention. First of all, no new allocation to SOEs. Yeah. And the tone, you know, in the minister's speech itself, very, you know, one of basically encouraging discipline, rigor, governance within SOEs and playing a bit of carrot and stick with any further allocations or further assistance and support to SOEs coming with conditions of them opening up to private sector participation. Mm-hmm. So I think that is quite encouraging. Perhaps the big surprise in, a, in an election year, no fiscal drag relief. Yeah. So um, we can talk about the impact you know, on consumer, but my next take out is this is actually positive. Anything that leaves the market feeling like the fiscus is under control in the long run is actually better for the economy, better for investment, yeah. better for the RAND. There was a lot of speculation about Jafectra, whether it would be used, whether it would be announced now, what would it be used for? And I think we've had a good outcome. Um, if we are going to use these reserves, to use them to pay down debt rather than to fund consumption or perhaps even infrastructure where we're not 100% sure of the governance, you know, I think this is the best application of these reserves that we could hope for. So this was a positive. And then quite a big bump up in expected infrastructure spend, certainly versus actual spend of the last three years. You know, it's it's about a 50% increase in the medium term framework versus what has actually been spent. So again, quite a strong injection into infrastructure and construction, you know, low end job creation could mm-hmm. come out of that. And then the final thing that caught my eye was starting to talk about electric vehicle production. I yeah. found that quite interesting. Um, and, you know, how to adapt. Um, we've got a great incentive scheme. We've got a great auto manufacturing um, industry. Again, a, a big carrier of jobs in the country. And um, it would certainly be a shame were we not to keep up with the times and be part of the of the green transition there so it's good to to see that minds are being applied um on how to do that now it's like when, you know, in particular i mean motor vehicle, vehicle production is it's a significant part of our economy if we look at risks associated with south africa right now how is this budget for for sort of foreign investors i mean what you're talking around there i mean it, it to me looked like a a budget which i think foreigners can look at and say this is sensible. I mean, you know, it's not within a hundred miles of of the, you know, the the, the Turkey in, interfering with central bankers and and some of the stuff out of Venezuela. It looked like a a mature budget, which which could catch the eye of international investors. Absolutely, um, I think mature is a good word. You know, I, I was thinking conservative, but mm-hmm. mature is, is certainly is certainly a good word. Even the the Jafectra, you know, my understanding is that this is actually global practice you know there's been a lot of um maybe what's the sensationalism around we're stealing the crown jewels Mm. you know to pay the expenses and 
That is a narrative that one can construct, but there is global precedent for using this. And the fact that it is specifically going to reduce debt, which in the end reduces um, you know, our borrowing costs. I think even that is, um, is being done in a responsible and mature way. The, probably the scaremongering in the worst case scenario would be to, to have expected um, big injections into, into grants um, yeah, yeah. or infrastructure spending, borrowing to fund all of that you know, to stimulate, um, yeah, to secure rather, loyalty for, for the ruling party. And we haven't seen that, which I think is really quite commendable. Absolutely. I and mean, that's what stood out for me, perhaps, as much as anything else, was that it didn't read or listen like an election year budget. Absolutely. You know, I think what international investors are looking at, we need to certainly get... Um, SOEs under control. I think that would increase um, confidence. We need to um, continue scrutiny and improving governance within those because mm-hmm. obviously we need reliable um, ports, we need reliable rail, we need reliable electricity generation. So I think the tone that Treasury is taking there would fill investors with some measure of confidence. And I think you know, the one thing to watch would be would be the wage bill, but we don't have negotiations um, this year. Yeah. So, again, even we've seen budgets in the past where the debt-to-GDP ratios look amazing and everything is trending in the right direction, but when you scrutinize the growth assumptions, they just look ridiculously high. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so, so even there, they haven't sort of tried to window dress or, or, or cook the books to make the ratios look good, you know, growth assumption of 1.3, it's a very sober, these are very sober assumptions, very sober and mature budgets. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned the, the uh, sort of the, the top of your list of about the budget was that lack of allocation to state-owned enterprises (SOEs). Talk, uh, sorry, ESCOM got a, a scolding. Uh, Transnet mm. was told we have a plan and you don't need the money. Is is the minister doing enough to sort of start restoring investor confidence? Something which I think is, I mean, it's not going to be overnight, but are these the right sort of steps? You know, I do believe it's it's going in the right direction. And I suppose the thing that that makes it quite market friendly is this encouragement of privatization yeah. um, and partnering with the private sector. I think that goes a long way to buying a bit of goodwill and buying um, hope that there would be increased governance um, mm-hmm. and increased efficiency of delivery. Um, you know, private investors would be looking to make a return. And so there would be some, hopefully, you know, if everything is, is executed above board, some objective and independent eyes on the accounts, on the processes. Um, so I think that will certainly be well received by international investors. Moving from budget, as I said up front, this is an election year. We've got a date for 29 uh, May. There is a lot of talk slash expectation that the ANC will fall below 50% for the for the first time since democracy in, in, in South Africa. How are you and your team looking mm-hmm. at this potential political risk as the different scenarios play out? And, and, and there are a number of them, but how are you sort of looking at these at these potential risks? Yeah, so, you know, if you look at the the polling data certainly does point to, from various sources, certainly does point 
to the ANC falling below 50. Um, if you look at the municipal elections, mm-hmm. um, local government elections as well, that, that trend would suggest that if you copy and paste. However, we know national elections can surprise, turnout can sway things, electioneering and campaigning can, can yeah. sway things closer to the time. And if we look at the, the performance, if you knew nothing else and you just looked at the trajectory of the national election scores since 1994 um, or the ANC's majority, it would suggest that they may still come in slightly above um, 50%. Um, you know, I think there's perhaps that is a, a base case with a close to 50% probability. I don't think it's a base case mm. of a high confidence base case as it would have been um, in, in years gone by. And I suppose the scenarios that people would be the scenario that people would be most afraid of and the most pessimistic scenario would be quite a, a shortfall um, below 50%, such that the EFF becomes an attractive um, partner. Mm-hmm. And we know that there are factions within the ANC that are you know, the, the more the radical economic um, transformation faction that probably would look at a budget like we've just had um, this week and perhaps not be content with that. You know, would we yeah. lean in a more populist direction? So I think that is the fear and that is the, I would say that's the bear case. Partnering with uh, or the need for small parties to just make up a few percentage points or more interestingly, partnering with the DA, you know, it is not necessarily a bad outcome. I think it's just an unfamiliar outcome to us as South Africans. Um, but when we look at many countries in Europe, almost every country is is, is run through coalition. Yeah. Every liberation party in the history of time has eventually lost their majority. You know, and we are coming up on that 30-year mark. If you look at um, the the Indian Congress, it took about 27 to 30 years. Yeah. Um, at the Turks party in Turkey, it took about 30 years. You know, in Mexico, I forget the name of the Liberation Party, but they had, I think, about a 70-year rule. And eventually the transition, but they went through quite a few periods of violence and militants, you know, to get a transition. Um, so I think the, the, the outcomes are quite broad. But when we look at what's come out, a budget like this, if you think back to... The last year or two, we've had moves like when everybody was speculating about, um, you know, uh, conscription of pension assets, etc. And instead, what did we get? You may take yeah. 45% of your money offshore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so the headlines and the what one reads and what the market fears, what average South Africans fear, in the end, what transpires a lot of the time is actually reasonably moderate. Um so we look at that and we've got to tie up rhetoric and then actually look at the policy and the speed with which the ANC has executed more populist um, policies has been slow. You know, the allocation in this budget, even to NHI, yeah. was quite small. It was tiny. So, yeah. So you've got to look at that and say, could even an outcome here with a DA be possible? You might, a blink response might be absolutely no. But, you know, we've seen a lot of research that suggests that even many ANC supporters would not um, be violently opposed to that, where there does seem to be less appetite for 
the radicalism that the that the EFF brings mm. for mm. the majority of um, ANC um, supporters, and you know who knows what cabinet itself thinks. So in those various scenarios, I think so much negativity has already been priced into um, priced into the rand, into bond yields. Um, sentiment is low. Offshore investors have run away. We've fallen out of many indices globally. If we see a peaceful election, either a small ANC majority or tie-ups with very small parties, or a tie-up with a moderate opposition, potentially we could see a rally of of great proportions in in the more locally facing um, equities and in bonds. Is that how then you and your your, your team are are sort of positioning around it? Because, and and, and I take your point, I mean, you know, there is the extreme sort of nightmare scenario and and, and absolutely, you know, that's not impossible. We can put a likelihood to it. But I take your point around, you know, you're saying that, that the ANC almost in a sense says one thing but does something else and what they're doing and I go back to the word of mature that they're doing that mm-hmm. conservative sort of mature stuff the the responsible management and and, and taking that into account how are you looking at at positioning portfolios ahead of the the, the election yeah we've certainly been adding to um, the banks and the clothing retailers mm-hmm. partly also out of a view that we think we are reaching um, or have reached peak interest rates. Now, we cannot call when the cut will come. But, um, you know, so if we take the election out of it, last year was quite a set, quite a terrible base in terms of load shedding and the Mm. additional operating costs that many companies had to bear or consumers had to bear. That is now in the base. Um, South African consumers, households, um, companies, cabinets, (laughs) the one thing that we are is resilient and adaptable. So, um, I think companies have figured out, management teams, particularly the good ones, have figured out how to navigate load shedding. So, this is in the base. And at least in the six weeks this year so far, we haven't had the the level of, uh, or the frequency of stage six as we did have at one point in time. So, uh, potentially, we're looking at a better year anyway because of the level of load shedding that's um, in the base. We're not going to see the the same scale of, um, you know, some of the commodity inflations in in, in food and oil energy. Um, So things are getting slightly better for consumers, perhaps slightly better for for growth prospects, and therefore those interest rate sensitives are appealing to us. We don't look to position around an election. Really, anything can happen. Yeah. Um, so we've got diversified portfolio right now. Certainly within the equity space, we have some exposure to gold. Um, we do have defensive rand hedge counters like BTI and Anheuser Busch. But um, yes, we have been incrementally tilting the portfolio back to um, to to SA Inc. And I think how we think through the risk we would not want to build a portfolio that re- needs a specific election outcome or um you know returns fall apart so we are also looking for companies that have a specific story that regardless of the macroeconomic environment can deliver returns so who are the companies who are innovating who are taking market share who are um consolidating who are potential um you know, buyout 
um, targets. Mm -hmm. And those stories are there. So, you know, we've held the construction names for quite some time. Our view has been that the construction sector has been so hollowed out after a decade or more of lack of infrastructure spend that companies like Wilson Bailey and Raubix are the last ones with the balance sheet to actually accommodate big projects. And so to see a budget that is actually also forecasting a kick up in infrastructure, some of that doesn't have to come from government. Private is um, private sector is spending, renewable spend build out is um, proceeding. So these companies are sitting at record order books as it is without the infrastructure yeah. announcements yeah. that we've seen this week. You know, ShopRite is innovating and taking market share while uh, pick and pay is falling apart. So regardless of the economic backdrop, there are always returns to be had in the SA Inc. space. Yeah, and, and I take your point. We, we don't know what the election will bring us, so it's almost kind of investing uh, uh, in, in, in spite of, and, and, and perhaps that's why the budget is is, is uh, in, in the immediate more important. We'll leave it there. Meryl Pick, uh, Head of Equities Research, Old Mutual Investment Group, really appreciate the time. Fantastic.